welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 149 for Monday, July 12th, 2021. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixlriffs, and joining me, as always, is the marvellous Moss Machine, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. <laughs> I have one of those. You do? Uh, hello. Uh, and speaking of the Moss Machine, uh, we talked a little bit about the behind the scenes of what was happening over on Twitch uh, this weekend in the rendered distance, which is an extended version of the podcast that you can get over at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. We talked about uh, a new video game that I've been playing called Before We Leave. We talked about tennis. We talked about Wimbledon. We talked about the fact that England can't find soccer. I mean, football uh, and um, all kinds of stuff. So check that out over at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. Another benefit to become a mem- becoming a member is getting to participate and listen to our quarterly hangouts. We had our Q2 hangout this weekend where we discussed the podcast, how it's doing projections for the year, YouTube milestones and more. The Q2 hangout is published on the Patreon only RSS feed and is available to pay- patrons on that site or in the podcast player of choice. And thanks again to all of the live chat people for participating and submitting those great questions it was a lot of fun so we uh talked a little bit of minecraft but we uh in the render distance but we usually save the majority of what we've been doing this week for the quick login so joel how is the citadel the citadel is very mossy uh and very technical uh i uh i i fell down that rabbit hole of like well now that i've got this farm up and running i need to make it look pretty and uh, the thing that was I was waiting for is that I wanted to use moss and I wanted to use some of the different azalea leaves and stuff to decorate the farm. I still haven't finished the, the pillars of the farm. They're temporarily filled with honey blocks just because it matches everything. But I took the time over the weekend to clear out all of the math from the terrain generation in the lake bed so it doesn't have any patches of gravel, clay, and uh, sand in it. Uh, I might add some of the gravel and stuff back in. I left a couple of little beaches and kind of had some fun practicing some landscaping, trying to feel like the the beaches make them dither into the lake a little bit. Um, And then I I got about halfway through putting in moss, mossy cobble, submerged um, shroom lights, things like that to kind of light the the build from below. And I think it worked out quite nice. It feels rich and green and kind of like mossy, which is kind of what I was going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to, I have yet to hit the lake bottom with a bunch of bone meal to have it have plants and grass and things like that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but in the process of doing all that, I decided to stress test the farm and leave it running for about 45 minutes. Previously, I had only turned it on for about five minutes to show it off on stream. And uh, I ran into an issue where the front two bone meal dispensers are not running out of bone meal because there's always something going in. So they always have like one, which is fine, but they, they, their stores run low. And so for whatever reason, I can't get enough bone meal into um, the dispensers at the front of the farm. So I need to try and tweak a couple things. And there is some bud powering stuff I didn't know about. I might be able to switch some hopper and composter locations to try and get a little bit more um, bone meal material into the hoppers so that there's just a little bit more of a buffer um, to get that going. But even even then, like even if only half of this farm works efficiently, it's still pumping out more than I can deal with. I mean, I've got six chests, dub- like six double chests full of moss blocks. Uh, the carp- moss carpet has got three double chests. The only things that are on the low side are the saplings from the azalea and flowering azalea. And that's only because they're a low drop rate compared to the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been going well in that in that regard. It looks cool from above in the mapping mod that we use on the server. Um, in the process of doing all this, I was also checking out 
the uh, bone meal section and decorating that, making sure that was working. Um, I don't have any screenshots of it's actually working, but if you check out the Twitch stream, you'll see just the ton of stuff raining down from above into the hoppers. Uh, turns out when you've got four composters going at the same time, it's kind of loud. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knew? Um, but all of this uh, came to a, a halt when I discovered that the farm had some essential flaws, and that was the filters are not attached to the storage system because of the really fun honey wall we discussed last week on the show. And the fault in my design was that when the storage system is full, there's nothing to tell the filters to stop spitting moss blocks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> out. Mm -hmm. And so I was left looking at like five, six stacks of items just sitting on top of a full <laughs> hopper going like, this is not good. This is yeah. in the spawn chunks. We can't have this. And my shutoff device was when the bone meal chests are full, turn off the farm. Well, that doesn't work when your stuff is not getting to the bone meal chest in the first place. So I had to devise a way to get a signal out of the top chests in the, um, in the uh, storage system and get that signal up to the top where the filters are. And I didn't want to ruin my lush cave design that I had done for the, for the storage system. So I used leaf redstone. It just squeaked by and that six blocks was what I needed. So now when uh, there's something in the hopper behind the top chest in the storage system, a comparator pulls out a single, pushes a sticky piston up that has a, uh, a log block on it. There are then six leaves <laughs> that then detect, hey, I'm near a log block. And then an observer kicks out a signal and I used um, another sticky piston simply to cut off the redstone. So like, you know, in the, the impulse SV uh, filter there's there's two bits of redstone then it goes down a block right mm -hmm. for your third power so i just kind of put a block in that angled part to cut off the redstone and it sure. shuts off the filter yeah yeah uh, yeah it did a test and sure enough uh as the moss chests filled up the moss filters were shut off and we saw a lot more moss going by the filters and around into the bone meal system and that's when it kicked into high gear and we realized how loud it was yeah so uh it's just so satisfying even though i know i had missed this in the first part it's so satisfying when you have this redstone build it's tightly packed inside a mountain which i can always build up and kind of like you know i can cover up this stuff if i want to um, but it's just so nice that I didn't have to destroy my design with a bunch of like redstone elevators and slabs and stuff. Like I can just use the leaves. You can't tell it's even there at all, really. Uh, and it, it, it was really, really fun to say, oh, hey, I missed this, but also have the redstone knowledge to design my own solution for it. And it was really, really fun. That's one of my favorite things about redstone now that I've gotten a little bit more fluent with it is those like solve moments where you come to a conclusion by yourself, you figure out what you what you need to do. And yeah, there's there's just a buzz from that that is is really fun. It's like, you know, figuring out the twist of a mystery novel that you're reading or something like that, or like figuring out that like so and so is the killer in a in a whodunit movie. It's it, it's it's remarkably fun. Um, and is one of the things that I I encourage people to experiment a little bit more on their own with redstone once they've done a few, you know, tutorial builds and picked up stuff from people because I think a lot of the time tutorial builds can even help you understand why certain things work the way they do and they give you ideas that inform other stuff you can do with redstone on your own. So it, it's it's so fun picking up stuff like that and having technical stuff pay off. Um, the same is actually true for the storage system that I've been working on on the Empire's SMP. 
um i've decided to build a big storage house with uh like an automated system underneath the floor which i was able to decorate with a bit of moss and copper together and i'm really liking the way that looks now um surrounding that with glow berries and stuff so all of the lighting can feel more natural and i think it came together very nicely there's a kind of hanging gardens vibe to the whole build but of course inset into the floor is a water stream that runs around in a perfect square delivering items that get put into the system to all of these different filtered hoppers via a dropper clock and i was using honey blocks to ring the outside of that so you can use the item behavior where honey blocks having a slightly thinner hitbox than a full block allow you to run the items along the edges of hoppers and i realized that that was working for one full rotation around this square and then you got back to the start and the dropper that was spitting items out into the water stream was actually stopping them from going around a second time because it was just right. a pixel wider than the honey blocks were and, mm -hmm. and items were getting stuck there. And so I went through a few different iterations of like, how can I bypass this? Can I have some hoppers and another dropper to basically spit items back into the first dropper and have the items continue around the circuit from there? In the end, I just ended up moving the dropper clock circuit back a block. So it was closer to the outside wall of the structure but i was able to conceal part of it underneath and had a barrel so that you could access part of it as well uh so i didn't need to open a chest underneath a full block and in the end i was able to make the honey block section a full loop and just have a water stream coming out of the side of that that starts the water stream to begin with so now it's able to transfer items all the way around this this ring as many times as they need to and all i need to do is make sure that there's only specific items that will go in like the bulk resources basically is what this area is for sandstone and sand obviously being big ones because i'm in a desert but also i've left in stuff for dirt grass moss cobblestone and regular stone because they're still usable for crafting ingredients and stuff even if you don't need them for a, a build so amassing a decent amount of natural stone allows me to make all of the repeaters and comparators and things that need that as like a base material and then there's obviously various things that you can do with cobblestone as well so amassing all of those and trying to figure out with this desert theme what resources i'm actually going to be able to gather on mass that work with some of this stuff and i found that i've made more storage than i need right now um it's yeah it's it's kind of a a neat system to have more of than than too little because i i can expand it further than it has been already and i figured the stuff that i'm already farming like honeycomb and honeycomb blocks and honey blocks all of that stuff can go in there as well for now and uh yeah maybe we'll we'll see whether i can rig up all of my other farms to go specifically into this system and input at different points or if i just end up uh you know inputting some of that stuff manually through shulker boxes and whatnot i really like what you did with the item frames uh for our listeners uh the i struggle with this where i i want to put item frames but i don't want to put them on the chest because i find it a pain in the butt to click around the item frame to get into the chest and what you've done is squeezed them in between the hoppers and the chests below them that flat that, that happened entirely by accident let me tell you i was i was 
just clicking around on them trying to think like okay where can i position these item frames that it's going to make sense because there are two chests that meet on a corner and so i can't have an item frame on the floor or just put like a block in the floor that represents what's right. in those two chests if their contents are going to be different and so i was clicking around i was putting the item frames on top of the like on the sides of the hoppers so they were kind of at eye mm -hmm. height that was kind of messy and i didn't necessarily want to have item frames out everywhere I don't like putting them on chests because then you have to reach around the item frame to open the chest itself. Otherwise, you just end mm -hmm. up doing that thing where you're clicking on an item frame and rotating the item. And then, you know, everything kind of has to be rotated around fully. So it's the right way up and everything. And so I, I was clicking around just thinking, all right, can I put it here? Can I put it there? And then one of them ended up between the chest and the hopper. And I went you can do that <laughs> that's a that's a thing i can do i think in fact the first time some kind of fluke of how i placed it meant that it ended up not on the top surface of the chest but on the underside surface of the hopper so it was even at a slightly different height and when i put a 3d block in there the back of the block was sticking through the item frame because the front was facing down and i i was just baffled by this behavior but I think it looks quite good. I can look at it from the staircase in this build as I'm walking down this sort of step well into the storage system and you can see where everything is because you're looking at it from a certain angle. So I quite like mm -hmm. it. And eventually I'll just, you know, develop a, a feeling for the storage room once I've used it enough that I'll know where everything is by yeah. muscle memory anyway. But in the meantime, yeah. it's nice to have a labeling system that is minimal, but it works. Yeah, I find for systems like that, like I'll know that one wall is stone. So I'll yeah. immediately go left because I need stone of some sort. But then between stone and a site, stone bricks and the other, a bunch of other stuff, it's nice to have something indicating what's what. Um, I'll often do like color-coded shulker boxes or um, in this case, like I've often thought instead of just putting in the item that's in the chest, especially if you had more than one item in a chest, and I know this is a bulk storage, so obviously each each section, each slice only has the same one resource in it. Um, but like, uh, it would be cool just to use uh, in this particular way with the item frames, especially if you have, if you had the um, armor stand thing where you can make the items frames invisible, just use like concrete, just like bright colored concrete, you know, gray mm -hmm. stone, you know, uh, red, redstone or like, or, um, you know, brown or, or yellow or orange for woods or green for leaves. Like, I feel like you could have a lot of really cool looking, um, storage systems that wouldn't have the same it's one thing i do find when i do more storage systems as much as i like them and that's why i did the honey wall thing this time around with the moss build is that i just i like building them but they all end up looking the same in the end mm -hmm. you know you're looking at a wall of chests like a hoppers behind it and you got to label it somehow and i always find that challenging to do different every time and this this definitely hits it i like i also like the little kind of like the deck i mean obviously i mean it's you uh, but the decoration <laughs> of the the negative space between the the two sections of of chests with the the mossy um hanging vines and flowering azalea and it looks like weathered copper and stuff in the back like it's all really cool thanks yeah it's it's working out pretty well so far and those are always yeah areas i can clear out if i want to add more hoppers and more filters into the system mm -hmm. so i'm i'm sort of reserving that space with something that i'm not necessarily too attached to i like the way it looks but it can change if it needs to and i still need to figure out other decorations there's a manually sorted storage on like the ground floor of this building and i still need to finish off the roof somehow but altogether it's going pretty well uh this build before i got hold of you know all of the chests and stuff i needed to uh to make this and started digging out the floor was actually sabotaged by a couple of my server mates 
Um, they they ended up building a really simple fall trap, which I ultimately didn't fall for. Not out of any kind of sense of, look at me, I'm really smart. More that I went into the build, this trapped chest was just kind of off to one side, and I just started removing layers of sand because I wanted to clear this out, and I was in kind of, you know, downtime mode. It was the end of the day, I wasn't even recording. I was just going to try and, you know, clear out a little bit more of this to make less work for myself the next day. And... I only noticed that there was a trap because I just dug through a layer of sand and realized it was all held up by signs. <laughs> and so they had left a um, a kind of gravity block trap for me because the floor of the room was sand beforehand and I was supposed to open a trap chest and a piston would activate and then deactivate when I closed the chest and, you know, it would break a, a block that was holding all of these signs up. And I didn't fall for it because of, you know, sheer chance of me digging out the, the, the floor of this room. But uh, since then, I've had a bit of fun encouraging people to do more interesting pranks because it was pretty clear who had done it. Uh, Fwip was the only person on the server who had got a beacon and would have been able to dig the floor out in the amount of time between me logging off and logging back on again. Um, and yeah, I, it was it was a, a prank that the, the trap chest element of it was really obvious. They didn't even put a sign on the front of it to conceal that like line of redstone around the latch. So... You know, in character in the video, I have a bit of fun encouraging people to do more interesting pranks because I feel like the stuff nice. the stuff I've been doing with like you know replacing villagers with witches and like just you know put, putting a, a bit more fun with Minecraft mechanics into some of my pranks instead of the kind of the traditional fall trap or you know you know there's there's lava coming down on you from the ceiling kind of stuff. Like I, I feel like elevating the the prank game a little bit on this server. So I'm, uh, I'm I like having fun with that. I like, I like additive pranks. Yeah. I like pranks that add something that either the recipient has to say yes and, uh, and either retaliate or incorporate or do something with it. Really good example is is what I think it was. Um, Pearlescent Moon and uh, Green did to Mumbo's bus on the Hermitcraft yeah, server, uh -huh. where yeah. they they moved his build block for block, copied it up into the air, and made a tree monster hold it. Like it was, it's beautiful. It's such a neat idea. And I mean, Mumbo liked it so much, he's just going to keep it. Like, how can you not keep it? Yeah, exactly. uh, that kind of stuff. I always find so so much better than like death traps and stuff. And I all I like, I I also think it depends on the vibe of the server. Like I know for. I would. I'll just go ahead and say that I don't think any of my server mates would appreciate dying. It doesn't yeah. matter if I went through the trouble of saving all of their stuff. If like there was hoppers underneath the dripstone and everything got collected and put into a chest with a little note that says, "Hey, by the way, like all of your stuff has been automatically collected and put into these chests. You, you know, you're fine." I still think it would annoy people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I, I've. I we don't do those kind of uh pranks um usually it's like uh, i think the last one that i was witness to on the server was um alistair um hung a pig over a fire pit from a candy cane at the holidays uh -huh. to provide like a holiday a holiday dinner and inside the chest were like you know holiday cookies and milk and uh like milk for santa and a carrot for rudolph like stuff like that that was just kind of fun um, but yeah, I just, it's, it's hard. Cause I, sometimes I watch content that has pranks in it and sometimes I'm like, that's great. And other times I'm just like, I don't know, while I can appreciate the flex of turning all the mobs upside down, if I had a bunch of mobs and I was like, not going to kill them, like if they were part of like, just like villagers, for example, I would get kind of annoyed that all my villagers would be walking around upside down because <laughs> as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there's no way to undo that in the game. Is there? I mean, by name tagging them with something else. 
Uh, oh, can you? You can just you can just yeah. rename them. Okay. Yeah. And and I feel okay. like in in the early days of a server when you've got like a ton of people making cow farms and stuff, name tagging them also means that they get taken out of the mob cap and then passive mobs oh. can appear elsewhere. So it's actually like in a stealth way, kind of helping the server out That's a little bit. That's cool. Stuff like I didn't that. know that. Yeah, it's kind of fun. There's there's a couple of nuances to it that I think are pretty elegant. And uh, yeah, the the kind of stuff I've been doing on on empires is like I try and do those additive pranks, the kind of good nature stuff where like uh solidarity gaming asked me to build a giant statue of a cod in his swamp because he's styling himself as the cod king and he we've got the mob heads data pack on the server so he's got cod heads that he wears and he declared salmon were the enemy basically and anytime anyone brings him a salmon head he's like no and he throws it into a fire but because he wanted an alliance with me i i said i'm going to build you this cod statue in the lake but of course because copper is my thing i decided to build it out of copper blocks so it looks like a salmon <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like this is the symbol of our alliance if you take it down then there's going to be issues but he's like no but it looks like a salmon and i haven't seen like a video with his reaction yet but i'm looking forward to that it's it's fun though and I think the most important thing establishing any kind of atmosphere of pranking on a server is that everybody has agreed to it beforehand. On Empires, we have this sort of narrative going on where we're probably all going to end up on separate sides of a war at some point because people on in the YouTube viewership seem to really like stuff like that where there's conflict and drama but a lot of it is just oh they're all friends behind the scenes. It's just like a bit of a, a storyline kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're, we're establishing you know, motives to be angry at each other in the world of the game and, you know, coming up with little pranks and stuff like this is fun. It keeps each other on our toes and as long as it's something that everybody has agreed to, you can make it very clear in the Discord if you're not up for that and people are going to leave you alone. So Yeah, exactly. It, it, make, it, it makes the, sense. The behind-the-scenes communication is key to making sure everybody still has fun when all the, the, the mayhem is, is happening. Yes, um, and, and we but, are having a lot of fun <laughs> at this stage, so it's, it's nice. great. I, and I can tell, like, I mean, I've been doing this show with you for almost three years. And uh, before we move on to the news, I want to ask you, has the play on uh, the Empire SMP kind of reinvigorated some uh, different, like some some things in Minecraft that you haven't had a chance to do after spending so much time solo on the survival guide? Like, do you find you're reinvigorated with ideas for multiplayer stuff now that you're on a server with, with a bunch of other people? I mean, definitely. And having had three years off from multiplayer, effectively, what I'm now picking up is all of the stuff that I've learned from watching other people's multiplayer series can be put back into the stuff that mm. I'm making. Like, um, you know, just being able to make shops or mini games or pranks for people is something I can't do in a single player world on my own. And that's, I think, the beauty of being part of a, a multiplayer server in Minecraft in general is being able to have stuff that has an impact on other people and having reactions from other players. And there's no real point making a mini game for yourself in a single player world because you've designed it. And so, you know, maybe you can do one of those carnival game test your strength test your archery skills kind of things but it can't really go beyond that because if you've designed the thing then you kind of know how to beat it um but i think being able to do that on multiplayer server is just infinitely fun so i think it's uh it, it's nice to stretch my legs in that kind of environment for a little while before i inevitably get back to uh where my my home base is in the the tutorial stuff but i think uh with that taken care of it's time to move on to the news uh and the news this week surrounds minecraft java edition 1.17.1 which got a release after our look at the release candidates uh last week 
This release changes some of the behaviors of the features added in Caves and Cliffs Part 1 and also fixes a few bugs and critical issues. So the major changes in 117.1 include blue axolotls can now only be obtained through breeding. Non-screaming goats now have a rare chance to produce a screaming goat when bred. Screaming goats, by the way, are the ones which are more aggressive towards players and other entities than a standard goat is. Uh, speaking of goats, the status effects that you can apply to goats through splash potions now also apply when the goat is jumping or ramming. Once again, check out Olraf's Twitter video on this if you haven't seen it, or just splash a goat with a potion of speed and see what it does. Uh, the, drop, uh, the drop rate for copper ingots from drowned has been raised to 11% plus 2% per level of looting. It was previously 5% plus 1% per level of looting, so that's a significant increase. Powder snow now fills cauldrons twice as fast as before, but is still fairly slow. And the zombies, zombie villagers, husks, and drowned no longer pick up glow ink sacs to prevent them being persistent after picking up dead glow squid bits in caves. There are a few technical changes in 1.17.1, including the deaths of named mobs now being logged, and in the case of DNS-based redirection, the client will send the host name actually used to connect, restoring behavior from pre-1.17. Fixed bugs of note in 1.17.1 are going to be shared here in just a moment. The full bug list, of course, is on Minecraft.net, uh, but we thought these few might be worth mentioning. Uh, pistons and dispensers can be used to create ghost blocks using powder snow. That's been fixed. Ghost items can be created using the slash item uh, command, and that included the server didn't update client inventory correctly. So that's also been fixed. Calcite is too quiet compared to other blocks. Captured axe levels constantly tries to leave water. Loaded chunks sometimes don't render until the player moves their head slightly. Emerald ore generates too often. Wah, 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 that's been fixed. Uh, withers are now affected by are, are now affected by potion effects. Very long loading pause while booting the game. I actually experienced this and didn't realize it, but I, I'm glad to see that that's a bug and that's going to be fixed. Uh, attempting to walk through flowing water constantly switches the player from swimming to normal mode. Also something I've experienced. Glad that's being fixed. Axolotls despawning through na though named and on leashes. Piglins can no longer hear players breaking protective blocks through walls. Uh, so that's been fixed. I thought that was a mechanically... I thought that was intentional. <laughs> so that's could be be careful in the nether, folks. Uh, diamond ore distribution changes between 116.5 and 117 have also been fixed. Uh, in the Optify news, because we have been mentioning this from week to week, Optifine pre-release 26 for 1.17 is out, and Optifine pre-27 for 117.1 is out. If you're playing in the world of fabric, lithium, and sodium, fabric. Fabric API and Lithium have all been updated for 117.1. If that's what you're updating your world to, you can check those links out in our show notes. There's also a bit of news on the Minecraft Dungeons front. They have posted a couple of Twitter teasers for the end DLC. There are two Twitter posts with about 10 to 15 second clips from a pre-rendered trailer for the end DLC. Might be an in-game cinematic or might just be the way they plan on teasing this update uh there is one with some enderman uncovering some sort of stone cave entrance with a glowing object inside and it it's kind of weird seeing enderman moving in a slightly more organic way but uh they, they're animated really well and uh the second of these two teasers shows a glitchy glowing face appearing in an end portal 
with the caption, The End Is Coming. Both of those are from at Dungeons Game on Twitter, posted in the last few days. So uh, yeah, we have a, a Minecraft Dungeons End DLC starting to emerge, and I would assume that's going to be out maybe sometime around August, um, judging by their previous release windows and having put out a DLC, you know, every two to three months uh, for Minecraft Dungeons. Um, I'm looking forward to it, especially if my suspicions are confirmed and this ends up concluding the story arc of Minecraft Dungeons. Yeah, the dungeon stuff is something that I'm interested in and need to kind of catch up on. I uh, I have been playing more on the on the console than I have on the PC. Um, so I'm hoping to try and I might have to pick up the the DLC on on the console. I've been resisting, thinking I might you know continue on the PC, but I think I might just take the leap and call Dungeons my my console uh, layer, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, Fix and Joel here from the future. <laughs> we interrupt this news segment to bring you another news segment. Uh, breaking news, actually. This is we're currently recording this after we finished recording the entire show and and the post show and i happened to scroll over to twitter right as we were wrapping up the call and realized that minecraft dungeons echoing void dlc has now been fully announced so this is going to get a bit confusing because the rest of the show you won't hear us talking about this like we know it's a thing but we just thought we would sneak it in here as a uh you know a a tear in the fabric of space time for this episode in particular uh so there is an article we will link in the show notes that has screenshots for the echoing void dlc which is coming to content platforms july 28th (laughs) so a little bit uh, a little bit sooner than we expected but the article outlines that the end is potentially going to be the final arc of the story of the orb of dominance and the arch illagers story and it is not the end of minecraft dungeons so (laughs) we had a bit of speculation later in the episode about minecraft dungeons having a plan for the future seems like they do according to this article but joel what do you think about how all of this looks because i'm i'm very excited about the screenshots the screenshots are something else i mean as someone that has a lot of leds around their their home right now um behind my tv and behind my computers i just love the dark you know backgrounds the void of everything combined with magenta and green neon lights everywhere, including on some of the very odd looking Endermen. There are more than one kind uh, of Enderman enemy the, in this uh, There's not even a, not even a standard looking Enderman in this show, in, no. in, in the art for the, for the DLC. There's Enderman with blocky hands. There's sort of larger, chunkier looking ones. There's ones with glowing green backpacks a lot of them have eyes of ender just kind of embedded in their chests which is kind of wild and there's this Mm -hmm. kind of like stacking tower with horns in the background that kind of resembles a an ender version of the redstone monstrosity so this is looking very exciting also a, a a vertical end portal judging by that being what the players are coming out of which is a, just a really weird thing to see as somebody who's mm-hmm. been playing minecraft for as long as we have um we will probably go over this again in next week's news in a bit more detail but there is also plans for a gauntlet of gales uh free content updates alongside a handful of other enchantments and and weapons and also minecraft dungeons ultimate edition is going to be available so you can buy the base game and all six dlcs as one package uh so once again that is echoing void the final story dlc for minecraft dungeons being released july 28th and now back to the show 
so how do you feel about 1.17.1? Are you planning on updating the Citadel, or is it something that you want to maybe wait for a couple of things to update first? So I'm really interested in 117.1 because it seems pretty straightforward, and it, it sounds like it's going to address some of the things that have been causing lag on the server for us. Uh, bugs that I've encountered in terms of movement stuff with the Elytra, uh, just other crashes, you know, behind it. We didn't list all the other like crash and lag related bugs that they have on the article. Um, the only thing that has me hesitant is that this stage of the development cycle can often have a, well, here's something we didn't know because it hadn't been play tested or hadn't been searched for. And with the Minecraft community being as diligent and as in depth as they are, you'll often see more bugs coming out. So you'll often see like a 17.2 or a 17.3, um, for example, coming out in the next little while. And I I just don't want to start going through hoops um, only to have to update like four or five days later. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to wait for the dust to settle for two reasons. One, uh, server mates have got streams and things going on, so I don't want to update and disrupt their schedule. I think I have an opportunity tomorrow to maybe update the server um and part of me just because i want to wait to see what they immediately release after we finish recording today <laughs> yeah uh -huh. uh, just murphy's law right um but really because i think of the new way that um they've approached the um i can't remember whether it's the deobfuscated code i think that's how it's conveyed um optifying seems to be coming along quite quickly uh, and then other things like fabric mods that we use for performance, like lithium and the fabric API, like they were updated almost the same day Yeah. Uh, because, because they work with the snapshots ahead of time. So I'm really only waiting on the essential mods that I use in order to play the game, not for tweaks and special things, but like I can't, I will get dizzy if I don't play with Optifine because of the issues that I have performance wise. So all I have to do is just wait for Optifine to, to do its thing. And, and then really I can roll ahead to any any update. So uh, as long as there's not something that I'm just going to have to do again in the next four or five days, we'll probably be updating to 117.1. I know a server mate Alistair wants to do a drowned copper farm. So that's another reason I want to get up there. I mean, I'm right there with him, to be honest with you. I have a double zombie spawner with my name on it once Empires updates. Uh, but we are probably going to wait until the, the voice chat mod we use um, and the support for shaders because a lot of folks on that uh server have their own like aesthetic that they like, to, they like to have for their videos which is usually like a shaders based thing um so yeah we, we'll we'll probably update the server i have already updated on hardcore survival guide uh and honestly i'm doing fine without optifine i'm glad that there is one available now because i like having an easy zoom key but that's really the only thing that i tend to use optifine for aside from yeah minor aesthetic things i um yeah i'm i'm doing fine with 117.1 so far i haven't noticed any glaring issues but there weren't too many issues with 117 for me I'm, I'm mostly looking forward to a couple of slight changes in behavior there's more depth to goats now that splash potions significantly affect their uh their like ram capabilities and again like the the jump boost potion applied to a goat is hilarious and everybody should do that at least once so looking forward to giving that a try also just an excuse to brew jump boost potions because i feel like i don't use them in my day-to-day -day gameplay very often so kind of a uh, a fun excuse to uh to to air out some of that um i i have noticed that goats haven't been like as widely praised as some of the other additions so i definitely know that some people are more excited for additional goat mechanics to emerge 
And I was thinking about this. I think it's just kind of a shame that a mob has to tick so many boxes before it can really feel like it's worthwhile to people who have a variety of playstyles. Because I know a lot of people who enjoy exploring and are like, goats, they're so cute. They've got the little kind of fringe and they're like a really well-designed mob aesthetically. But they you know to other people it feels like they have to be a, like a revelation in farming they have to be a a more efficient method of farming other mobs by knocking them off a platform or whatever then everyone's just going to use water streams and it's not really going to be worth doing uh and and the goat not having any unique drops yet either doesn't feel like it's living up to its full potential so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing if people are you know a little bit kinder to the humble goat now that uh, some of this stuff has been updated and screaming goats being more accessible through breeding is definitely a a worthwhile thing because i know people will want to get hold of a lot of those but will not want to deal with natural spawning mechanics in order to find them yeah i'm looking forward to exploring the higher drop rate for copper just to kind of see if that's viable i've been in a farming mood lately like redstone technical mm -hmm. water stuff so that that seems like it's going to be fun to explore um i've in the geode that i uncovered on the citadel there's actually a spider spawner and a zombie spawner like right next to it so there's a reason to be in the area for a little while just to kind of mess around and see if i can't wrap my head around some of those drown mechanics and stuff so that could be kind of fun um i looking at like some of the the features like the axolotl stuff i mean it's all good i think it's i think they're all good improvements i haven't really found a draw to axolotls outside of i might be able to barter with other server members <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i need i need this many blocks i'll give you an axolotl you know like that mm -hmm. that kind of a thing but other than that like i can't i can't really see myself using them for much um i guess it all depends on if, like if you have an aquarium project or that sort of thing but then again like you have to have them in their own tank otherwise they're going to kill everything in there yeah um, I, I i think axolotls to me feel like they were meant to be wolves in the water i know that's a comparison that's been made before mm -hmm. so nothing mm -hmm. original here but I don't tend to tame wolves to help me fight stuff to begin with because I find a lot of the time they get into more trouble than anything else and I feel bad when one of them dies. So I don't see myself using axolotls as aggressive counterparts in like, I raided an ocean monument recently, didn't think twice about whether or not I wanted to bring axolotls with me. I just went and raided it myself because it felt like it was easier. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I haven't really considered the possibilities of using axolotls as an aggressive thing. They're good for glow squid farms, from what I've seen, and regular squid farms pro probably as well. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, I don't really see myself messing with them all that much unless it feels like, you know, something that I'm doing for the sake of it rather than something that feels essential to gameplay at that stage but like i said it, it feels strange to me that we have to consider only what is essential versus what's just fun for you mm -hmm. uh in the, the realm of uh, zombies uh and other mobs not uh holding or picking up glow ink sacks uh, again because like you said they'll become a persistent mob and not despawn uh, as I've been digging around in the spawn chunks on the Citadel, I've found a couple of zombies just kind of like holed up in like two by two holes or little mining tunnels that were there at first that just got filled in and never, you know, visited again. Uh, so they've spawned in, one of them's died, another one spawned in, picked up the zombie flesh, you know, or whatever. And uh, I, I kind of wonder if, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, if there would be a better way for just like performance purposes and persistence purposes, if... If, if a name tag was the way that you wanted a mob to stick around instead of just getting it to hold an item. Because I feel like 
there's a lot of places in the server because if the lag persists past this update, I'm going to have to like put on my admin hat, put on my um, my spectator mode and go looking for like random mobs or groups of mobs or groups of items just kind of hanging out underground causing some problems. And uh, I'm wondering if there's a better way to have mobs like even cause them, maybe have them despawn even if they are holding an item. I don't know how often that would cause a real problem for players. I mean, it's going to be... It's not going to be often, but when it does happen, it's going to be devastating because it's the zombie mm. who picks up all of your diamond armor and elytra and starts wearing right. it after you die around them. That's, I mean, that's the reason that mobs are persistent if they can pick up items is because they don't want to despawn holding important players' gear, right. like a shulker box or whatever, right? You know, it could, yeah. be, could be potentially very bad. So I think it makes sense that they are persistent. Uh, I think the problem is... There are enough trivial items like mob drops and stuff that they can currently pick up that presents an issue. Like, I wouldn't mind them equipping stuff and that causing them to be persistent. But when it comes to picking up items that are just held in their hands, I think that could maybe be done away with. The problem we're having on my Patreon server right now is zombie chicken jockeys spawn. The chickens lay a ton of eggs and then you get a bunch of zombies holding eggs underground. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's something that hasn't been considered even when they've made this change to glow ink. So I do wonder if maybe, uh, you know, removing or, or tagging certain items that they're like zombies are unable to pick up might be good for just the few basic things that are likely to happen naturally in caves as just part of the cave ecosystem of hostile mobs. Yeah. Or would it be worth saying that, you know, mobs will not despawn if they're holding these kind of player items you're like saying like don't despawn if you have a sword or a shulker box or like you know those kind of things but if you're holding anything else like a log you know or uh, even if it's something like a brewing stand I, like a small sacrifice to pay as long as it's not my diamond sword you know like yes. that kind of a stuff stuff that's part of like natural ge generation yeah considered yeah yeah anyway, anyway just it just kind of stuck in my mind because i just i know that we've been we we're overdue for a uh, a Dartmouth Meadows underground prune because there can be sometimes just like little mistakes that happen, things that pile up. You don't realize that a zombie is, you know, spawned somewhere near your underground sewer water system and is just constantly, you know, they're all just constantly picking up like bits of wheat as they go by, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. You just, because you don't see it. It's not above ground, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's it for the news anyway. So how about we move on to chunk mail? Sounds like a plan. If you'd like to email the show, the email address for that is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please use that email address. First email comes in from Fiery Crystal, a landscape artist member of our Discord. Hello, Joel and Pixariffs. Recently, I've been thinking how the update to Mountains in Caves and Cliffs Part 2 might give incentive for players to spend more time in mountain biomes, especially for setting up bases. There are a lot of unique and diverse themes that can be done inside of these snowy mountains. Anything from a warm, fuzzy little cabin to a treacherous ice cave are all possible and more. However, it's not often you find players setting up bases in snowy biomes in particular, partly due to how difficult the area is from a survival standpoint. Food is scarce, water turns into ice, and absolutely everything is covered in snow. This certainly makes survival interesting, but it's understandable why players would be turned off by it. Overhauling mountain generation might shake things up a little bit, but I think mountains would need more to offer in order to really sell players on the idea of mountain bases as a thing, despite the challenges that come with it. This can be done by putting an emphasis on mechanics only found in mountains, like adding new snowy variations of existing blocks, or even being able to quote-unquote snow log 
waterlog, certain blocks uh, are a few examples that come to mind. What do you guys think? Have a chill day. Fiery. I see I see the, the oxymoron there at the <laughs> end. <laughs> uh, very clever. Um, I like the idea of snow logged blocks, similar to a waterlogged block as we see it now. Uh, I'm not sure how you would control that instead of crafting new snow blocks, similar to how we have like mossy mossy cobble we could have snowy or frozen cobble but then the list goes on and you've got you know a ton of new items that you then have to manage in an inventory that can't handle the items we have now um so like that that's one way i could see that going um i do wish however there was a better way to keep snow off of parts of your build right now it's either cover the area in string see episode 148 for our thoughts on that and have light levels bright enough to melt snow uh, i experienced this uh, during the months that I played on uh, the Vastin server with friend of the show Fix It. Uh, and uh, Germsy Boy was doing all these really pretty roads, but we had to cover them in string in order to have them not get covered over by snow because we were building this beautiful city in a snowy biome. Now, it looks cool when there's snow on the roofs, but sometimes, you know, you, you don't want it to be everywhere. You want to see some of the cool work that you've done on the ground. Um, so perhaps a longer list of blocks that would stay snow-free would be one direction that could be taken, or uh, maybe blocks either next to a light source or heat source would not have snow accumulate on them. So like think similar to how you have to place water, or sorry, have to place coral near water so it doesn't dry out. If you had say a magma block under a stone block, that stone block wouldn't then get snow on it. That kind of idea. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking into sort of deeper more complex mechanics at that stage but i i like the the theory it's like having underfloor heating almost you know yeah um, yeah yeah yeah. and yeah it's it's bugged me for a while that snow layers could only settle on solid blocks too and i know that's probably something else that people use to keep snow off parts of builds but it always felt to me that snow covered roofs tend to feel a little bit inconsistent you know there are ways around it you build with a full snow block and then you basically build with the snow layers on top of that, you build slightly thicker, denser roofs and so forth. But I, I do like the idea of snow logging in the sense of being able to partly decorate things like slabs and stairs and whatnot. Although, thinking about it more deeply, that would probably create the appearance of a full powdered snow block and then therefore aesthetically be kind of unnecessary except like on the edges of roofs or something. Um, but yeah, to, to the other points in this email, um, as somebody who's building in a desert most of the week, I definitely feel the food pinch that people would feel in uh, a tundra biome or a, a snowy mountain biome. You've you've got to bring it with you uh, for food stuff. Um, and the other consideration I think that prevents people from building in a snow theme is that temperate biomes are just a better blank slate. Like, if you want to start a modern city, you don't immediately think, oh, I'll build that in a snowy biome. <laughs> Whereas, you know, you can just pick any biome elsewhere in the world, pretty much. And if it's got a, a large open plains and a fairly neutral grass color, you think, sure, why not? Um, tundra and mountain biomes really feel like they encourage more specific build styles. And so people don't always want to be steered in that direction by Minecraft's terrain if they have another idea in mind when they're starting a new project. Um... But yeah, I, I, I like the idea of there being more specific mechanics to that area. I think goats partly solve the food problem, although some people might find them too cute to kill. I believe they do drop mutton the same way sheep do. Um, and llamas 
still just drop leather. I don't think they have any kind of food involved with them, but uh, they're around in the mountains as well. Um, I still think even after this update, even after this massive terrain expansion, mountains do still have room for expansion in terms of stuff like generated structures as well. And we've talked before about maybe having you know, illager monasteries up there to kind of counter the woodland mansions and pillager outposts that are elsewhere. There could be like evoker strongholds up there. There could maybe be mountain mines. There could be yeti caves. Um, but I think the main draw for mountains so far, the thing that's going to pull people to them is, for a start, the idea of hollowing out a mountain and building a base there is one that's existed in Minecraft for a while, even when the mountains have been fairly basic, what we think of now as mountains, the extreme hills uh kind of formations and people like building mountain bases in that sense if they are drawn to that then this is just going to be an ideal update for them the other thing is ore distribution because mountains are going to be treasure troves of emerald ore uh, iron and coal and there's probably going to be a bit of copper mixed in there i haven't looked at the ore distribution graph for a while but a lot of the time you'll be able to get a ton of ores there without even having to stumble upon one of those huge veins like the the iron veins and stuff that you're going to find underground you'll be able to find equivalent amounts just by you know strip mining a mountain so i think there is there's is more to mountains than meets the eye i think the main problem here is that in java edition we haven't really had a chance to look at mountain terrain generation yet because it's not been any of the snapshots it's only been previewed through the bedrock beta so I'd say hold on to mountains as an idea for now because I, I get the sense players will want to seek them out just to look at them and then there will be a lot more mountain building than you initially think. You can't necessarily judge it based on how apt people are to build in snowy biomes right now because these are going to be a, a whole thing unto themselves once they're released. Yeah, I'm curious. It, it does make me think about what could be coming down the, the pipes in terms of snapshots and looks at the snowy mountain biomes and things. Once they're able to, to we'll say, stably, you know, convey those terrain updates, then to go into and explore what those mountain mechanics are like, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what ends up coming up there. Because I, I don't think it's going to be as simple as the information we have right now. I think there's going to be more to it. Yeah, and, and a little bit more about that in our main discussion this week. But uh, before that, I want to move on to our second email, which is kind of tied in, actually. This one comes from The EP Panda, and the subject is the fading, quote-unquote, shine of new features. Greetings, Johnny and Joel. I'd like to start by thanking you for creating such a wonderful podcast. I listen to your episodes every day in the car to and from work, and I look forward to each new episode every week. I'm working my way through some of the older shows, and I just finished episode 71, where you talk about your first experiences in 1.15. Some of your comments reminded me of my experience with the 1.17 update. I recently started a hardcore world, and I've discovered that I'm just not running into much of the new content. I don't know if it's because I'm not constantly searching for it or it just isn't where I am in the world, but I find it interesting that in an update so large I haven't encountered more than a couple of the new features. This brings me to my questions. Do you ever find yourself forgetting about new content or having different priorities? How quickly does the new feature shine wear off for you and what do you do to keep the new content fresh in your mind? Once again, thank you for such an amazing and entertaining show. Until next time, the EP Panda will be impaled on a stalagmite whilst fighting the Warden. <laughs> it's another another death message sign-off. I feel like you guys need to take better care of yourselves. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, I think uh, to Mojang's credit that they added so much to the game in 116 that I still haven't gotten all of it. Uh, and that's not that I'm not interested. It's that my play style has just, and time allotted have just not taken me there. Um, so I don't think all of that shine or all of that kind of like, um, I'm not sure what to do next to Minecraft comes from, I've done it and I'm bored with it. I think a lot of the times players just don't realize how much is in there, uh, depending on, on what you're doing. Um, and I think too, uh, this is reading between the lines a little bit from EP Panda's uh, email. I think that experience is different for full-time content creators than it is for, well, I'll say the rest of us, um, where most of us watch those content creators cover the update as a whole, sometimes to the point where the content slows down near the end of the update cycle because they've done all the things that they've wanted to do. They've explored all the new mechanics and all the new blocks and features of the game, and now they're kind of waiting for more. And so that's how they feel about it. But we feel like we're behind because we've forgot a new feature or we haven't got to that yet, or uh, we've seen it happen on, on, on a, a video. Um, but I, I think that it's important to note that like, that's the time that a full-time content creator has compared to most people that have other responsibilities mm -hmm. and play Minecraft for fun. Yeah. Um, I forgot new features all the time. And I do a weekly news show about Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Like, uh, I, I, there was one of them that I even forgot was coming. I think it was like the deep slate tile. I was like, I forgot this was a thing until mm -hmm. I started using it on a roof when the update came out. So um, I I don't have a hardcore world. I mean, Pix, did you find your hardcore world experience needed like substantial effort to start encountering new 117 content? I mean, not quite. Um, I think to encounter all of it yes to encounter just a few basic differences not really because you, you think about going caving for the first time when you're setting up a new world i found copper geodes and, and all of the associated blocks with geodes there are about five or six i found deep slate and tough and you know i was taking advantage of raw ores with fortune three all in my first caving trip right so a lot of the stuff that's just naturally generating in caves is pretty easy to stumble upon it's the other features, you know, I, I mean, I was lucky enough to get hold of Moss right away from a shipwreck, but we've discussed in the past how uh, other folks are spending a lot more time looking for those. And then again, I also knew where to look, whereas people coming into the game without all of this extra community knowledge about where to find stuff aren't going to stumble upon Moss blocks until they're really ready to just go diving some of those shipwrecks for buried treasure. Um, I still haven't really interacted with goats powdered snow the ability to fill cauldrons with lava through dripstone or water if it comes to that uh, i haven't interacted much with big drip leaf i got some small drip leaf from the wandering trader finally uh, on empires um, but then most of the deep slate block palette is also stuff i haven't touched so there is a certain extent to which when you have a project in mind you're going to focus on some things and not others my first instinct is not to gather all of the 1.17 stuff in one place and do a build with absolutely everything but you're going to pick out the elements that appeal most to you or that work best with your theme and you know for me that's copper which luckily for me is found all over the world but then i haven't really spent enough time in mountain biomes to really go play with goats too much um and I, it's not necessarily that I forget about new content, it's just that everything shifts around in terms of 
priorities and they did mention that in the email about how uh, you know do you find yourself having different priorities absolutely my priority right now is acquire as much copper as i can through mining uh because i want to build with it more or less constantly um but that's because i'm focusing on that in particular if i was doing a whole goat themed empire on empires then i'd i'd probably spend a lot more time playing with the features i could get my hands on and i know other folks on the server are, are doing different things with amethyst geodes and stuff so if anything i'm you know consciously staying away from some of that stuff in in multiplayer environments and in single player there's just so much to do that i want to dedicate a little bit more of my time to each thing instead of just touching on everything very briefly um i still think this update is themed around exploration and 1.17 even though it's added a bunch of the blocks in ways that you can get hold of fairly locally through wandering traders and so forth isn't an update that comes to you in the same way that nether update content kind of did i mean like now right. you, when you go into the nether in a new world nether update content is there instantly it's piglins it's the new biomes it's all of the the kind of blocks and stuff around you gold ore and you know you you it, it walk around a lava lake and you see striders in the lava you find a bastion if you ride one of those uh you know there's a ton of stuff that got added in the nether update that is very in your face because the nether was just completely empty before the minecraft world in the overworld is fairly full of other things and all of the stuff that's getting added in terms of like new blocks and stuff is going to make the most impact to an explorer when it comes to world generation i think 1.18 is going to be much more noticeable in the same way that the nether update was because you'll go into a cave and then you'll stumble upon a lush cave biome or a dripstone cave or you'll dig down far enough that you hit an entire layer of deep slate and you're like all right this is it deep dark here we come you know i i think there's going to be uh you know a little bit more of that stumble upon uh stuff start to introduce itself when all of this stuff is generating naturally again I think too that it's it's easy to as someone that's a completionist like me it's easy to kind of create this list of things that you either want to feel like you have to uh explore and check off you know in a new update uh cuz I know I've been like trying to go through the do I have all these new blocks and what do I want to explore and I want to unlock these things so that when it comes time to getting them I don't have to think like well I'd like to know what this build would look like with calcite but I don't have any just yet like I want to kind of have that repertoire of, of stuff available. Um, but I mean, Minecraft is a sandbox game. Like there's no requirement of you to do all the things in it, right? Yeah. I didn't do anything with sea turtles. I just didn't see the appeal. I think they look cool. I kind of give them a nod when I, you know, row by in a boat. But other than that, just never gave it the time of day. Mm -hmm. uh, there is going to be a time when I'm probably going to want to use those turtle eggs for some sort of zombie farm. And I'm going to be like, oh, I wish I spent more time with sea turtles. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Th th they've not gone anywhere. I can just go do sea turtle content now. Um, but I, I think there's that weird pressure to kind of like, you know, g get all the things. And I think leading into our main discussion that it might be best to kind of like take your time. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to explore 117. It does take a while for the shine to come off for me. That was the other point in this email was like, how long does it take mm, for these mm-hmm. features to feel old? We're over a month into 1.17 at this stage, and I'm still having a lot of fun with pretty much all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to, a from a design perspective, stuff like copper and moss are really interesting from a mechanical perspective. They've got age they've got spread mechanics there's like a a little bit more nuance to them and they look phenomenal in worlds like i'm really happy with playing around with these incredibly vibrant blocks and seeing the subtleties that you can draw out of them so i'm having a lot of time with uh, a lot of fun with those um and doubtless there are going to be people who are bored already because this update just didn't have something to appeal for them or they were looking forward to the cave update aspect of it specifically and terrain changes um it's just down to different play styles really and Mm -hmm. like maybe people who've you know done what you've done and set up a a farm for resources like moss and stuff but they've been farming tons of stuff and to them farming is the point they're going to get a little bit tired once they realize that there isn't anything new left to farm and they're just Mm -hmm. surrounded by an abundance of resources not really sure what to do with all of it yeah i mean i think some of it is i mean a good part of it is subjective like i i didn't uh i didn't dislike the nether update but i didn't really go and explore and use all the things because i mean i used some basalt uh i i got some use out of some of the other blocks like shroom lights but like i didn't use warped or crimson wood and i um didn't particularly like blackstone even though i forced myself to build like try to build a hall with it so like for someone like me i didn't feel like the nether update did a lot for my gameplay i was also working on a big build in the overworld during that time so like Mm -hmm. it just it depends on what i was doing if i was building a nether base and the nether update came along i'd be just like oh wicked like this (laughs) it's like candy you know a kid in a candy store um but on the flip side bubble columns they were new in 113 and i feel like they like do they just feel like they've been part of minecraft forever i don't think of them as a new shiny but they certainly do not lose their shine i love them every single time i Mm -hmm. use them (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and the 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 first setup of a bubble column if you're building like a tower or something like that you're just like yes no why why do i ever travel any other way than this (laughs) ladders are for suckers exactly exactly but uh all of these thoughts from this week's emails kind of brought us to the topic of bridging the gap between caves and cliffs part one and part two and what we can really anticipate between these two updates as far as news from the minecraft team uh thinking specifically about stuff like when snapshots are going to start coming out for 1.18 the news that we had earlier from minecraft dungeons and what that means for the future of that game and looking ahead a little bit to uh minecraft live which honestly if we assume it's keeping the same schedule as it did last year is not going to be that far away right no, I mean, it was at the very first weekend in October last year, I believe, which is like October 2nd, October October 3rd. The The Minecraft Live 2020 video is on the Minecraft YouTube channel from October 3rd. I don't remember whether that was posted the same day or the day after, but it was that weekend uh, in mid-fall, you know. So that's really not that far away in the grand scheme of things. And certainly halfway between now and the holidays, right? Uh, which would be when you know the projected date for uh, Caves of Close Part Two is coming yeah. out. Yeah, it's, so, it's definitely a milestone along that road for sure. 
Yeah, so we'll have that news. Um, I don't know when. I I hope that the Mojang team is getting some vacation and and some some downtime after the launch of of Caves of Cliffs Part One. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we we when we spoke to King B Dogs, he was on vacation. That's <laughs> and right. I, yeah, I that's think I've course. seen a, a couple of the other development team tweet that they are as well. So yeah, after all of this hard work that's gone into the launch of Caves and Cliffs Part One, they are taking a break and and well played because I expect there's a fair amount of work that's going to go into the latter part of the year. I bring that up because I don't know when we might see snapshots coming in from from Caves and Cliffs Part 2. Uh, I would imagine that the data pack is going to be the way that that comes in for now. Um, but then whether we start to see uh, a 118 you know, um, snapshot with data pack or whether it's just going to be like, nope, this is just the only way to test 118 is going to be a 118 world. Like if that's the only way that you can do it. Yeah. Um, so I'd be curious to see how, how that how that's going to go i think i think we're maybe going to start to see snapshots for 118 when they figure out some of the questions that we don't have full answers to yet like how will old worlds and old terrain blend into caves below y0 and mountain landscapes Mm -hmm. because i think the main issue there is when it's a you know a, a snapshot people have persistent worlds that they like to update into the snapshots and so to update it to a 118 without having to have all of the barriers to, you know, you cannot update this world using this snapshot that they, they put in whilst this was still being worked on as one update, um, I think it gets a little bit, uh, you know, it, it, it gets closer to people just wanting to have one world that they progress through the entire time. And so before we know how stuff like 3D biomes work and what kind of impact that's going to have, I think we're probably not going to see full snapshots and I think maybe they're going to lean on the data pack a little bit more. That said, this is sort of an unprecedented time in terms of development because we've never really seen data packs used to just activate a bunch of the kind of closed off features of an update so that you can have access to some of these things. So it's not really a a way of rolling out preview features that Mojang has done up until now. So um, I'm not certain what their workflow is going to be there. But um, yeah, we are still looking for snapshots or that data pack to give us a look at cave biomes. Um, That's going to be a pretty significant milestone, I think, because up until now we've been able to explore the caves as an environment, but starting to get a feel for the way worlds are going to work after this update in winter it's going to be a very significant point along this this next stretch because yeah pe- people are, are going to be able to explore a lush cave a dripstone cave for the first time um and i think we had heard about some of the development of some of the cave features you know mr henrik was tweeting a lot of stuff about world generation and how they were tackling that stuff up until the release of 1.17 and then after 1.17, I think the team's priority, as far as we've seen publicly, became supporting the 1.17 launch with minor updates. Um, so maybe they haven't had as much time, or maybe the part two stuff is just happening behind the scenes because we are we know about it at this point, but they want people to focus on the update that's in front of them. Um, and we don't always get snapshots for the next update right after a new major version releases. Uh, so you know in a way it feels like it makes sense that we're not getting 1.18 snapshots right after 1.17 launches i think the problem with that being that we know what we're getting this time (laughs) you know this time we've already seen what is coming in 1.18 and so it's less about waiting for them to announce the theme and more just okay when is the 
the next re- the next wave of development going to be ready to show to to players yeah i don't know what the wait time was the last time around between like between 116 and the first snapshots to 117 i don't remember how long that was it was certainly past minecon live right yeah i mean yeah my, my, minecraft live was when they announced the caves and cliffs update as a theme and then it was maybe like a few weeks or a month later i think we started getting the snapshots for it so it right. uh yeah it, it was maybe like was it november or december around that time i i forget or maybe i want to say as, that yeah maybe it was as late as january even but you know we we got a, a decent period of snapshots before this update came out so there's uh <laughs> yeah there's there's kind of plenty to think about there um we still don't have answers to you know whether the deep dark and the warden are going to be included in this update so at a certain point i expect an announcement is going to be made or it's going to just pop up in a in a snapshot about whether that's going to be part of 1.18 or not uh judging by what king b dog said on the show and on uh, his twitter posts it may be that the warden and the deep dark aren't going to arrive until a bit later uh in the same way that archaeology was delayed it may be that just in order to get everything right uh, it might not be in this Caves and Cliffs update because these caves are something that can be potentially expanded upon in the same way that the overworld has been expanded upon for so long. Um, mm. So so snapshots are going to be a, an interesting an interesting time. We'll also potentially see a lot of feedback from the technical community about how mob spawning is going to be updated to account for you know changes in world height. And I still think we may not see that question necessarily answered in 1.18 either because... I think this is going to be sort of like the changes to Iron Golem spawning when the Village and Pillage update came out. You know, the what the technical community expects from the game in terms of performance, in terms of the ability to farm resources and that kind of stuff is going to be something that they'll have a, a process of feedback for that might outlast the release of 1.18 as an update and it might have to go into future releases in order to, to get things to a standard that they would like uh, to make it worth farming some of this stuff automatically at all. So I think this might be slightly different this time around, but to uh, quickly share the facts on the last update cycle, 116 was released on June 23rd, 2020. Minecraft Live was October 2nd or 3rd, 2020. And the first snapshot for caves and cliffs was the week of november 9th was it really that fast that's yeah it's like yeah. a month later that's wild mm-hmm. after the announcement right but yeah. this time around i can't see the first snapshot for caves and cliffs happening as late as november because it's supposed to be released in the holidays well <laughs> right uh, well that's the thing because at minecraft live they're not announcing the caves and cliffs update part two they're announcing whatever's after that after that right so 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 yeah we're not going to get a snapshot for (laughs) 1.19 before 1.18 has come out so it's going to be very different this time yeah so i'd imagine we'll probably see snapshots sometime either around minecraft live or slightly before we might start seeing 118 yeah uh, snapshots i think it would be I, I, obviously i don't know where where they're at in terms of development so this may not even be possible but i think from a just keeping everybody's attention perspective i think it would be smart if they could get a a snapshot or at least a significant update for players out before minecraft live just so that people don't immediately start 
looking forward to 1.19 without considering 1.18. Like, you don't want people's focus to shift to whatever the update beyond Caves and Cliffs is before they've had the full experience of Caves and Cliffs. So, you know, I, I, I think it might seem kind of strange flip-flopping around between we're announcing this update but we're giving you this other update first i think it might be mm. a, a bit confusing for for people because they're being told what's next and then what they're given next is something different because it's been yeah you know hanging around for a while i think it's it's kind of hard to predict how much the announcement of the next update is going to affect people playing caves and cliffs though because if you think about when the caves and cliffs update was initially announced I think from that point onwards, you see a decline of interest in the Nether update because everybody's just looking forward to the next thing. So, yeah, I'm I'm still I'm kind of curious about how people are going to what people are going to look forward to about 1.18 once we already know what 1.19 is, and how the release schedule is going to change at that point as well. Yeah, not to mention ultimately somebody, maybe even me, might bring up things like, oh, I don't know, the update to the Badlands, the update to the Swamp. Yeah, exactly. Like all, all of <laughs> the, the the biomes and stuff that have been part of previous votes and the ideas yeah. have not been out and out rejected by the team. Um so in the Caves and Cliffs special looking forward video they posted on on YouTube a little while ago, uh, where Agnes and one of the other developers whose name I forget, apologies, uh, they confirmed that the next major update after caves and cliffs is going to be announced at, at minecraft live and there are obviously previously announced features that may not and, and definitely aren't making it into uh caves and cliffs part two like archaeology um which we could potentially see an expansion for and you know it's entirely possible that 1.19 takes a different direction players have been expecting an update to the end since the nether update arrived and there are definitely going to be a few directions in which the, the team can take things and you know there, there are all kinds of other ways minecraft can go over its development so i think it's going to be a very interesting time once minecraft live rolls around this year getting to know what the team has in mind for beyond this when we're still so focused on caves and cliffs before we move on from the the minecraft stuff uh something that i was recently looking into and hadn't thought about much was uh, minecraft rtx because i don't have an rtx card uh however i do have access to xcloud which is now out of beta uh i have access through my xbox game pass ultimate subscription so which means for those of you that aren't you know in the know i could play remote games so i could use xcloud has servers they'll run the game there and i can play it in a browser if i had a bluetooth connected uh, controller i could play this on an ios device i could play it on like a google phone uh, i could play remote games on my xbox series x i could also just log into my browser on my computer most of the games that i've seen are games that i could just download and play anyway because it's not pushing the limits the idea for me of cloud gaming is gaming outside of my current physical on-site gaming rig capabilities and i thought that one of the best ways that they could showcase and they might eventually do it but it may be that just the systems aren't in place yet i'm not sure um this this, this um service xcloud would be to allow people that do not have a very hard to find rtx card right now mm -hmm. um play minecraft rtx by playing minecraft which is part of i think it was part of xcloud um minecraft dungeons is certainly part of xcloud uh, so, um, if you have a laptop or something that has a hard time playing dungeons, xCloud might be the way to do it. But 
I was hoping to get access to Minecraft RTX and explore and play more Bedrock because that's really the only thing that I think would get me into Bedrock would be access to RTX. Uh, but it doesn't look like that's the case. Do you, as someone that's had a little bit more experience in RTX and has your ear to the ground there, do you think that there might be more news coming from Minecraft RTX from Microsoft and NVIDIA? Or do you think that's kind of like where it's going to stay for a while? As far as development is concerned, I don't see much changing, to be honest, because... I mean, aside from more people getting access to hardware that supports it, it's kind of done its job. I mean, the developers themselves don't have much else to do because a lot of the stuff that goes into Minecraft RTX now, now that the rendering engine is in place and physically-based rendering is implemented into that side of Bedrock, is just making texture packs, uh, and, and, and members of the community can and do do that. So... I don't really see them changing much about RTX, aside from maybe making it more configurable, but making config settings that players can use isn't necessarily Bedrock's strength. <laughs> you know, it, it, it took them this long to get volume sliders. I don't think there's going to be that much that's adjustable about Minecraft RTX, and that would probably be the only other significant step I think they could take would be to allow people to control how much, you know, lighting bloom and that kind of stuff, how much the god rays sort of appear in, you know, forest settings and that kind of stuff. Making it more configurable is the only real change because I don't think they can do much to improve performance without making the hardware more available and improving the performance of the hardware. So I, I don't think it's really going to change much at this stage as far as the developers are concerned i still think it has a lot of potential for what the community can do with it because mm -hmm. you can change the you know metallic or transparent or you know light filtering properties uh, or the lumina the luminosity of any block in the game uh, including the ones that you can get through minecraft education edition which is where a lot of texture pack creators hide the really good stuff um so i think yeah that there's definitely potential for that to be used in a lot of different ways by the community it's just down to the technology being more available at this point um i i wonder if instead of just creating you know texture packs and and changing the illuminosity and and all that kind of stuff of blocks because i always find that that stuff is gated behind like your programming knowledge which mm -hmm. i'm not saying that it's bad to learn how to program but i'm wondering if any community people out there are working on some sort of like gui element or some sort of like do it yourself at home sort of interface where like it's it's not a texture pack it's a create your texture pack tool where like go go here maybe it's a website something like that i'm thinking of like the the crafting uh website where you can craft a data pack for a recipe really easily with mm -hmm. a WYSIWYG. like i feel like it would be really cool to be just like you know log in to this thing uh maybe not log in but like you know set up your texture pack and then with sliders indicate like how bright do you want this light to be? How bright do you want that light to be? What color do you want that light to emit? I think that would be a really interesting way to have more customizable stuff accessible. Cause I've, I feel the same way about this that I, that I feel about some custom texture packs and things in, in Minecraft. I mean, the only thing that I'm limited by, I mean, being a professional artist, I, I can of course create textures, no problem in Photoshop. It's doing the more complicated things like setting up, uh, connected textures or random textures or doing starting to deal with things that deal with models or any kind of technical thing in Minecraft where I want to do something cool with a data pack or a texture pack, but I don't want it to just be just replacing things or, or, or 
just just a simple art swap, that's where my technical knowledge hits the, a wall. And I end up just not having enough time to overcome that hurdle. So I'd be curious to see what the community comes out with in terms of making RTX settings and stuff a little bit more accessible. In terms of Minecraft dungeons, moving on from, from core Minecraft here, we are approaching the end of the Minecraft dungeons content roadmap, at least the stuff that they have you know, let us know is coming so far. Um, but something tells me they aren't quite done with Minecraft Dungeons yet, given the enthusiasm that they are still supporting this game with. And make no mistake, like, even if you haven't played it, even if you played it for a little while and then just kind of put it down to go back to regular Minecraft, uh, Minecraft Dungeons has a player base of 10 million players. Like, they, they hit 10 million in February of this year, and they may not be active players, but they are certainly people who have played the game. And that doesn't seem much compared to the core Minecraft experience or like the numbers that Minecraft itself does on Twitch or whatever, whatever metric you set your store by. But uh, just to compare, I looked up Wikipedia's list of the best selling video games of all time. The 50th entry on that list, the bottom of the list where the list stops, still only has 20 million sales um, compared to Minecraft's like over 200,000, uh, or sorry, 200 million. Um, so it's been a huge like Minecraft Dungeons has been a huge success by most studios standards. It's been able to support itself through five DLC releases already and coming up on a sixth and I get the sense that they have a plan for what they want to do with Minecraft Dungeons after this and whether that means a second game or if it means a continuing expansion to this game that just introduces more of the end game content that we've been seeing from things like ancient hunts and pillager captains and that kind of stuff. I'm I'm kind of curious to see where it goes, but um, minor sort of obituary here. Minecraft Earth shut down at the beginning of this month, um, but Minecraft Dungeons has continued very strong. So I am I'm kind of curious if along the path here, along the rest of the content that Mojang is going to announce this year. I wonder what Minecraft Dungeons' future is beyond this end update. I have a feeling the future is uh, a little bit more expansive than we might think. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been impressed, um, despite I think really all it is is just my own time constraints, you know, not allowing me to keep up with Dungeons quite as much as I'd, I'd want to to do. I've, I've been playing on the Xbox, which I mentioned earlier, but I've not been moving forward. I'm, I've just, I'm still kind of in the same place. I've just been popping in now and again for just a little bit of, you know, punching zombies in the face mm -hmm. uh, and enjoying levels that I've played before, like the Redstone Mines and and uh, the Soggy Swamp and stuff. So uh, I, I haven't even partaken in the expanded content yet, um, but I, I love the look of it. I mean, I... Um, I loved watching you go through the um, what was the name of the ocean one the the hidden depths hidden hidden, hidden depths. Um, watching that content was really pretty. Like even not playing it, like just watching someone else playing it was just a really cool thing to see as a Minecraft fan. It's it's it kind of scratches that itch of like man, I wish my Minecraft could look like this, or I could have these textures, or I could see these kind of things. This is kind of what I would envision. And so it does kind of like give you some inspiration for builds in Minecraft, but also it's just, it's a nice kind of like, I don't know, it's a satisfying thing to see Minecraft shown off in that way. Uh, and uh, I'm curious to see now that we've come to, or will be coming to the end, pardon the pun, uh, if there's going to be something new. Like if there's going to be something that Minecraft Dungeons does that Minecraft hasn't done yet. 
in terms of a new environment, a new dimension, a new something. Um, I, I, there's been a lot of kind of like, there's been a, like some new stuff here and there, but really like, I mean, a jungle was in the game before, deserts were in the game before, the ocean was in the game before. So I'm curious to see what might be next. And uh, because Minecraft Live will be coming up, I'm wondering if there's going to have, there's gonna, if there's going to be a, a specific section focused on Minecraft Dungeons, given its success. I would, I would kind of hope so because yeah, yeah they've they've been part of the show in previous years and i yeah i do wonder if they've got anything left in the tank <laughs> but we'll we'll see i i don't know if there's necessarily going to be a dungeons 2 right away because a sequel game kind of implies that there is you know more story outside of this which there could be but i think with each update they've made to dungeons they've kind of explored a fairly basic environment each time and an environment that's familiar from minecraft itself so yeah biomes like jungles and swamps and that kind of stuff there's very little of that in terms of basic themes that you can really pull from now so it becomes more about placing more value in the complexity of a story and telling a story that exists in a minecraft world rather than the minecraft world really feeling like part of the point you're playing the game um Mm -hmm. so so it'll be interesting to see the approach that they take but you know maybe it gets into more stuff that feels like it's constructed by civilizations you know there could be more kind of temples and ruins and stuff to explore in different places it's Mm. it's uh got potential overlooking the obvious there could be deep slate monster caves there could Mm. be dripstone and and lush cave levels lush cave level would be amazing Uh like just just thinking about how pretty the uh hidden depths you know, update was. I mean, you think about something like that with lush caves with like vines hanging in the camera a little bit. Like there's all kinds of really cool stuff that they can do. Yeah, there's no denying that whenever Minecraft updates, that just gives the Minecraft Dungeons team more stuff they can do. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, But yeah, the future is potentially looking bright that is probably where we're going to wrap up this episode of the show though folks thank you so much for listening as always you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about today at the the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show please consider putting some value back in you can do that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks you can join our community there and pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat you can listen to the show live every week and it also gets us closer to our next milestone goal which is having a monthly minecraft audio hangout it's kind of like the quick login that we do at the start of every show but with the entire community letting us know what they've been up to in minecraft that month we're currently at 258 patrons which is up three from last week thank you so much to everybody who has just jumped on board and special thanks go out to our content engineers general pattern 82 hunter 555 jumbo sale magma cube dude and yitz for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them to listen to The Spawn Chunks. And you can send them to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. Really, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find The Spawn Chunks. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Get the RSS feed on thespawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance as well as the quarterly hangouts. They come down automatically when you use that RSS feed in your player of choice. 
My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where in the hardcore survival guide I'm just getting into some bee farming and working up towards my first hardcore dragon fight. And in Empire's SMP I'm provoking people into doing better pranks. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap. You can find that through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to The Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, over at thecitadelcafe.com. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and at Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I am currently completing, fingers crossed, the Moss Farm on the Citadel server. And look for some art streams this week as I work on Twitch emotes for various clients. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, so there's always a new horizon. <laughs>